Good morning, church. And I say that to whoever is viewing or listening today. It doesn't really matter who you are or where you've come from. We are just glad that you're present with us in worship and want you to know how important you are to us. Uh, shout out to the good folks at Christ Church. Also, Bryantsville. We've got some folks from Bryantsville United Methodist Church that we're going to listen in and watch today. And so glad the two churches can be together and we can be together as the body of Christ. Even my brother-in-law from Tennessee said he was going to log on today. So grateful for Kirby and uh, I want to give him a shout out. Well, we are um, we're on that Easter well, we're on this side of Easter, the first Sunday, the first Sunday morn after the resurrection. And I don't know about you, but it's still kind of different. Um, I mean, somebody said, you know, we'll be talking about 2018 and 2019, and 2021 and 2022. And somebody else will say, well, what happened to 2020? And we'll say, Let's just move on. Uh, there's been a different feel to 2020, even uh, at Easter Sunday. I mean, I, I think about the most holy and high day of the year for the church. We enter into sacred places to celebrate the resurrection. And yet we're having to face off with social distancing and sheltering in place and not being able to do our normal rituals and be with uh, the folks that we love so much. And we've been able to keep at bay. Uh, last Sunday, we celebrated and focused so much and uh, at arm's length, um, some of the fears and concerns we have for health workers and uh, health care providers and um, the economic, economic survival of some that we're mindful of individually and as businesses and industry and the whole economy. And the week after Easter felt a, a bit different. Uh, and yet, that didn't change anything in the way that I feel. I may feel a certain way, but the truth is the tomb is empty and our Lord Jesus Christ has resurrected. And so we come with that Easter hope that we possess and we own. And we claim, and, and yet we still live in, in this world. Uh, we called it for so long the new normal. Now we're calling it kind of the now normal. And, and I, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, well, nothing much has changed, but I'm dealing with it better. And so I think we have that opportunity as followers of Jesus to bring a whole worldview into our circumstances. And John 9 is a helpful passage for me when it comes to the problem of suffering and difficulty because we're, we're really entering into a what now season. What now, now that the resurrection has taken place? What now as we continue to live in this extended sheltering in place in our culture, in our state, and in our country? And while we hear words that are encouraging, um, the same realities we're facing tomorrow morning. 
And so we come to this passage in John 9, where Jesus and the disciples are are moving through his and their earthly ministry. And there is a beggar. He's a blind man. And we know that in that setting, most likely his only means of being able to have any substance, any kind of income was uh, to beg on the street. And so this blind man uh, gets the attention of Jesus and he gets the attention of the disciples. And the disciples reveal so much about us because when we are confronted with suffering and pain and, and questions, well, sometimes we don't know what to ask and we don't know what to say. Uh, there's an awkwardness when we're confronted with suffering. And I, I like uh, how Ruth Haley Barton, a, a commentary person and a theologian, she weighs in on this and she says, one of the things we do quickly, we run to, is to try to blame. And so this blind man encounters Jesus, the disciples are watching, and, and they want to raise a theological question. Who sinned, Jesus? This man or his parents? Isn't that interesting? I mean, even in these days when we're dealing with all of the COVID-19 our response, I think, at least for a season and still can be, is to blame. We didn't react early enough. We overreacted in other cases. And, and so we name names and, and tend to blame. And, and that can be counterproductive. And yet they wanted to know who sinned in this case. And Jesus, in a very powerful way, says to them, you're really asking the wrong question. In fact, we find in this passage that Brenda read for us, Jesus responds with a better question to be answered. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And so he's, he's not really addressing the why. He's dealing with the what and how. What are the works of God that are waiting to be revealed out of one's suffering, out of this collective trauma that we have dealt with. How is it, this is a better question, I think, how is it that we see the works of God and see them redemptively and join him in it? My son, my oldest son, Jacob, taught English in China for three years. And, and while he was over there, he dealt uh, with the Chinese culture. And, and in many ways, he sees the beautiful side of it. And he developed some relationships and friendships. And one of his friends recently contacted him as they had dealt with the pandemic and still are in many ways. And this friend said, what would your father say God's role is in this pandemic? And he's, 
He said, Dad, I, I tried to communicate to my friend what I thought you would say. What would you say? And I wrote back and I said, Jacob, I believe the Lord grieves. He weeps. It's in moments like this that he died on the cross to give us the hope of eternity. And I texted him and said, I believe a good question is how is he going to redeem this? I think it's important for us to identify some of those things that we've moved through. I think it's healthy. You know, I, when you board a plane, not many planes are being boarded right now, but when, when they are, the flight attendant will, will give kind of the monologue or someone will role play it as another one uh, puts it on the speaker. And, and they'll talk about if you're near the exit, are you willing to help others if it's needed? You know, and I'm like, I want the exit seat. <laughs> I want it. And, and then they uh, go into what will drop from above you, oxygen bask. And, and one of the strange and counterintuitive things they say is take that mask and put it on yourself immediately. And the reason for that is you don't have long to act. And once you're able to breathe and function, then you can respond to the needs of others. And, and in this high pressurized situation we've been in, we've focused on our kind of our human reactivity. We've been in this survival mode. And I, I think it's important for us to begin to say, okay, I, I'm secure. I, I recognize that the presence of God is with me that invisible presence of God. I have four walls around me. My needs today are being met and moving from reactivity to security and breathing deep with that oxygen of hope. And you can't deny there's been grief. This week I had the blessing of interacting with families on uh, on the screen on zoom and I, there would be five individuals in one room on one screen or to have two or three and delia and i were able to to do pastoral visits if you would virtually and it was it was awesome it wasn't 3d i missed the real thing but it was meaningful and what i heard were words of loss healthy acknowledgement about certain events, graduations not taking place and uh, certain things in senior year of high school that, that were being looked forward to and proms and, and, and relationships. I heard a lot of grandparents say, because we're higher risk, we can't be with our grandchildren. Now they will admit they were more rested. <laughs> and then... Uh, and, and then others were talking about the uncertainty and the uncertainty of the timeline and how fear had really gripped them. That there was this kind of low-grade depression. And yet as we talked and as we visited, it was as though we were praying out loud in our conversation. And then we closed out in prayer. And it was as though we were covered in a mask of security in that Holy Spirit. So one of the things I want to encourage you to do as your pastor is to care for yourself. To look after your soul. That doesn't sound at first swipe, at the first 
sound of it. It doesn't sound very Christian, but I, I think it is. To be able to care for you, to put that oxygen mask on you first so that you can be effective in helping the souls around you. And so I began to ask my question, what are some habits that I can develop during this time that will be healthy? Now, obviously, uh, some of these habits can be carried into the post-quarantine period. What are some of those? Well, I know some of the ones that aren't so good. Uh, binging on Netflix excessively is not been that good. And the other is I've had a problem flattening this curve in terms of emotional eating. <laughs> but I'm hoping to turn a corner. And some of the things that have been helpful is picking up book, spending more time in prayer, listening to encouraging podcasts from believers that are helpful, not necessarily carrying the habit of Excessively running to the news that is is really created in such a way that it w- wants to draw me back. That's its desire. And to focus on that the resurrection is real. The what now is to live into that. One of the challenges I think we have, and it can be a good thing that we're in this season in some ways. This is an example where God can work redemptively. How can he... How can he be about the works of him being the light of the world and us watching to see where he shines his light and how do we join him in that is our understanding of worship. You know, one of the things I've enjoyed this morning is we have uh, six of us and we are socially distancing. There's no question and we're being very sensitive about that. But I've enjoyed the last two Sundays because it's the most community that I've had. And I've realized how much I miss my folk, how much people mean to me. Uh, One person said to me, Tim, I'm so lonely. I'm beginning to miss some of the people I don't like. (laughs) But there's a sense of we're one in Christ and there's value in being together. And I think I'm going to cherish that more. One of the things that that says to me is a gratitude for maybe some of the things I had taken for granted. But the other is this. On Sunday morning, so often it has been that we come in and together we glance at God and gaze at our circumstances. We fixate on our circumstances and give God a passing glance. But in these days, I think we have an opportunity to gaze at the wonder and the beauty of God. Not to deny, but to glance at our circumstances. So the question is, who do we blame? The question regarding what now has to do with where is God? Where do I seem? How can I partner with Him? 
You see, the healing came, yes, in sight, but the real healing came in the spiritual blindness to sight. Let's pray together.